Okay, Friday of the Passion of our Lord. Good Friday, celebrating the Passion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The liturgy of Good Friday recalls graphically the Passion and Death of Jesus. The reading of the Passion describing the suffering and death of Jesus today, we show great reverence for the crucifix, the sign of our redemption. On this and on the following day, by a most ancient tradition, the church does not celebrate the sacraments at all, except the penance and the anointing of the sick. On the afternoon of this day, about three o'clock, unless a later hour is chosen for a pastoral reason, there takes place the celebration of the Lord's Passion. The priest and the deacon, if a deacon is present, wearing red vestments, as for the mass, uh, as for the mass, go to the altar in silence. And after making a uh, making a reverence to the altar, prostrate themselves as as if appropriate, kneel and pray in silence for a while. All the others kneel. Then the priest, with the minister, goes to the chair where a uh, chair where facing the people who are standing he says with hands extended one of the following prayers omitting the in, uh, invitation to let us pray remember your mercies lord and when the eternal protection sanctify your servants for whom christ your son by the shedding of his blood established the paschal mystery who lives and reigns forever and ever Amen. Or, O God, by the passion of Christ your Son, our O God, by the passion of Christ your Son, our Lord, abolished the death inherited from each sin by every succeeding generation. Grant that, just as being conformed to Him, we have we have borne by the law of nature the image of the man of earth. So by the sanctification of grace, we may bear the image of the man of heaven. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay. The first part of the liturgy of the word. This is going to be from Isaiah 52, chapter 52, starting from verse 13. And it goes from... Uh, 53 chapter 53 to verse 12 so the suffering servant shall be raised up and exalted the servant remains one with all people in sorrow yet distinct from each of them in innocence of life and total service to god the doctrine of expiatory suffering finds supreme supreme expression in these words the suffering servant here is Jesus Christ. This is the prophecy of the servant of God who takes upon the sins. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. See, my servant shall prosper. He shall be raised high and greatly exalted, even as many were amazed at him. So marred was his look beyond human semblance and his appearance beyond that of the sons of man. So shall he startle many nations. Because of him kings shall stand speechless. For those who have not been told shall see. Those who have not heard shall ponder it. Who would believe what we have heard? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up like a sapling before him like a shoot from the por from parched earth. There was in him no stately bearing to make us look at him, nor appearance that would attract us to him. He was spurned and avoided by people, a man of suffering, accustomed to infirmity, one of those from whom people hide their faces, spurned, and we held him in no esteem. Yet it was our infirmities that he bore, our sufferings that he endured. While we thought of him as stricken, 
as one smitten by God and afflicted. And he was pierced for our offenses, crushed for our sins. Upon him was the chastisement that makes us whole. By his stripes we were healed. We had all gone astray like sheep, each following his own way. But the Lord laid upon him the guilt of us all. Though he was harshly treated, he submitted and opened not his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter or a sheep before his shearers, he was silent and opened not his mouth. Oppressed and condemned, he was taken away. And who would have thought any more of his destiny? When he was cut off from the land of the living and smitten for the sin of his people, a grave was assigned him among the wicked and a burial place with evildoers, though he had done no wrong, nor spoken any falsehood, but the Lord was pleased to crush him in infirmity. He gave his life as an offering for sin. He shall see his descendants in long life, and the will of the Lord shall be accomplished through him. Because of his affliction, he shall see the light in fullness of days. Through his suffering, my servant shall justify many, and their guilt he shall bear. Therefore, I will give him his portion among the great, and he shall divide the spoils with the mighty, because he surrendered himself to death and was counted among the wicked, and he shall take away the sins of many and win pardon for their, their offenses. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Psalm 31. And the response is going to be, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your justice, rescue me. In your justice, rescue me. Into your hands I commend my spirit. You will redeem me, Lord, O faithful God. Let me read it one more time. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your justice, rescue me. Into your hands I commend my spirit. You will redeem me, O Lord, faithful God. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. For all my foes, I am an object of reproach, a laughing stock to my neighbors and a dread to my friends. They who see me abroad flee from me. I am forgotten like the unremembered dead. I am like a dish that is broken. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. In your hands is my destiny. Rescue me from the clutches of my enemies and my persecutors. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your kindness. Take courage and be stout-hearted, all you who hope in the Lord. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Okay, I'm going to read this one more time again. Psalm 31. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your justice, rescue me. Into your hands I commend my spirit. You will redeem me, Lord, O faithful God. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. For all my foes, I am an object of reproach, a laughing stock to my neighbors and a dread to my friends. They who see me abroad flee from me. I am forgotten like the unremembered dead. I am like the dish that is broken. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. But my trust is in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. Into your hands is my destiny. Rescue me from the clutches of my enemies 
and my persecutors. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your kindness. Take courage and be stout-hearted, all you who hope in the Lord. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Second reading is a letter to the Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 14 to 16, chapter 5, verse 7 to 9. The theme of the compassionate high priest appears again in this passage. In him, the Christian can approach God confidently and without fear. Christ learned obedience from his suffering, whereby he became the source of eternal life for all. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Brothers and sisters, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable, that is, cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has similarly been tested in every way, yet without sin. So let's, let, let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and to find grace for timely help. In the days when Christ was in the flesh, he offered prayers, supplications, with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and when he was made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, I'm going to read it one more time. Brothers and sisters, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confessions, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is similarly been tested in every way, yet without sin. So let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and to find grace for timely help. In the days when Christ was in the flesh, he offered prayers, supplications with loud cries, tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reference. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And when he was made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, the verse before the gospel from uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It's Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Salvation, glory, and power to the Lord, to, our, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Because of this, God highly exalted him. And bestowed on him the name which is above every other name, salvation, glory, and power to the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so this is going to be the reading from the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 18, verse 1 to 19, and then 42. The Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. Jesus went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to where there was a garden into which he and his disciples entered. Judas, his betrayer, also knew the place because he had often met there with his disciples. So Judas got a band of soldiers, guards from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and went there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, knowing everything that was going to happen to him, went and said to them, Whom are you looking for? They answered him, Jesus the Nazarene. He said to them, I am. Judas, his betrayer, 
was also with them. When he said to them, I am, they turned away and fell to the ground. So he began asked, he began, he again asked them, whom are you looking for? They said, Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus answered, I told you that I am. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill what he had said. I have not lost any of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest, the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into your scabbard. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father gave me? So the band of soldiers, the tribune, and the Jewish guard seized Jesus, bound him, and brought him to Annas first. He was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had consoled the Jews, that it was better that one man should die rather than the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Now the other disciple was known to the high priest, and he entered the courtyard of the high priest with Jesus. But Peter stood at the gate outside, so the other disciple, the acquaintance of the high priest, went out and spoke to the gatekeeper and brought Peter in. Then the maid, who was the gatekeeper, said to Peter, You are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slave and the guards were standing around a charcoal fire that they had made because it was cold and were warming themselves. Peter also was standing there keeping warm. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I have spoken publicly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogue or in the temple area where all the Jews gathered and in secret I have said nothing. Why ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I have said to them. They know what I said. When he has said this, one of the temple guards standing around struck Jesus and said, Is this the way you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing there keeping warm. And they said to him, You are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the one whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Didn't I see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it, and immediately the cock crowed. Then they brought Jesus from, from Caiaphas to the Praetorium. It was morning. And they themselves did not enter the Praetorium in order not to be defiled so that they could eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and said, What charges do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. At this, Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews answered him, We do not have the right to execute anyone, in order that the word of Jesus might be fulfilled that he said, indicating that the kind of death he would die. So Pilate went back into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this on your own, or have others told you about me? Pilate answered, 
I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king? Jesus answered, You say, I am king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world. To testify to the truth, everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? When he had said this, he again went out to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt with him. But you have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at Passover. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out, Not this one, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a revolutionary. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him scourged. And the soldiers wove a crown out of a, a thorns and placed it on his head and clothed him in a purple cloak. And they came to him and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him repeatedly. One more, oh, repeatedly. Once more, Pilate went out and said to them, Look, I'm bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So the Jews came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple cloak. And Pilate said to them, Behold, the man. When the chief priests and the guards saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered, We have a, a law, and according to that law, he ought to be die, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. Now, when Pilate heard this statement, he became even more afraid. Now, when Pilate heard this statement, he became even more afraid and went back into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? Jesus did not answer him. So Pilate said to him, Do you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the power to release you and I have the power to crucify you? Now Jesus answered him, You have no power over me if, I had, if it had not been given to you from above. For this reason, the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Consequently, Pilate tried to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release him, you are not a friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself, makes himself a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and seated him on the judge's bench in the place called Stone, called Stone Pavement, in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was a preparation day for Passover, and it was about noon. And he said to the Jews, Behold, your king. They cried out, Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. We have no king but Caesar. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus in the middle. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus the Nazarene, the king of the Jews, now many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Hebrew, Latin and Greek. So the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. 
Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four shares, a share for each soldier. They also took his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top down. So they said to one another, Let's not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it will be in order that the passage of scripture might be fulfilled that says divide they divided my garments among them but from my vesture they cast lots this is what the soldiers did standing by the cross of jesus where his mother and his mother's sister married the wife of colopus and mary magdalene when jesus saw his mother and the and the disciple um, the disciple there whom he loved, he said to his mother, "Woman, behold your son." Then. Then he said to his disciple, "Behold your mother," and from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. After this. After this, aware that everything was now finished in order that the scripture might be fulfilled, Jesus said, I thirst. There was a vessel filled with com um, common wine. So they put a, a sponge soaked in wine on it, a spring of hyssop, and put it up to his mouth. When Jesus had taken the wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he handed over the spirit. At this part, all kneel and pause for a short time. Now, since it was preparation day, in order that the bodies might not remain on the cross on the, on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath day of that week was a solemn one, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs be broken and that they be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and then of this other one who was crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. They did not break his legs. But one soldier thrust a, his lance into his side, and immediately blood and water flowed out. An eyewitness has testified, and his testimony is true. He knows that he is speaking the truth, so that you also may come to believe. For this happens so that the scripture passage might be fulfilled. Not a bone of it will be broken. And again, another passage says, They will look upon him whom they have pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, secretly a disciple of Jesus, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate if he could remove the body of Jesus. And Pilate permitted it. So he came and took his body. Nicodemus, the one who had first come to him at, at night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and alloys, weighing about 100 pounds. They took the body of Jesus and handed it and, and bound it with burial cloths, along with the spices, according to the Jewish burial customs. Now in the place where he had been crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had yet been buried. So they lay Jesus there because of the Jewish preparation day, for the tomb was close by. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, as I probably told many people, um, couple of times in a podcast I'm a convert I'm a convert from uh, Islam though I was never you know taught or anything or been educated at least not by my father or anybody but I tried teaching myself and you know like it was natural because of course you want to try to learn the religion of your of your heritage I was I was blessed with the fact that I came from a 
a mixed religious heritage. I was blessed with the fact that I was born in the United States. And you could say, you could, my parents' uh, divorce was a mixed blessing. And um, I was exposed to Christianity and Islam. And I, as a kid, I got curious. I got curious about Christianity because I came, my, my father being Palestinian came from the land of the Bible and who wouldn't be curious as I, one of the things I've learned, and this is something that's very important. You cannot ignore historical facts, objective facts, and and the best thing I think the last couple of years there have been there are Muslims out there. You could say they were educated as Muslims, brought up as Muslims, but one of the interesting things about them is that now they're they're historians and they study history. And you can call them liberal if you wanted. They have concluded that the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth is a historical fact. The crucifixion and death of Jesus of Nazareth is a historical fact you cannot ignore. Is a historical fact. Islam, the Quran, denies that the crucifixion even happened. It admits that Jesus existed, but the Quran came practically 500, 600 years later. Muhammad came 500 years later. The combining of the Quran took a lot longer, a little, maybe a little, a lot longer. You could say almost 600 years, uh, you know, after Christ, but maybe 100 years after Muhammad. You cannot ignore that. It's based on his revelation. It ignores. We have proof. We have proof about the crucifixion. We have from Romans who were not Christians, who you could say were opponents, who were loyal to the empire, who talked about the historical the historical cruci the crucifixion of, of of Jesus of Nazareth under Pontius Pilate under Caesar Tiberius you have Josephus who talks about it you have other Romans who make mention of it you have Romans who make mention of the cruci of the of the persecution of Nero the historical Life and death of Jesus of Nazareth, his crucifixion is a, is a historical, objective fact. All right? It makes mention to Pontius Pilate. It makes mention to the... These are Romans, Pliny and other... Pliny the Younger. You have other Romans who make mention to this. We have a, a Pilate stone that was discovered... Or that has Pilate's name on it. You have the fact that the Christians are real under Nero. That his attack against them. You have Christians being mentioned under Claudius. You have Josephus, a Jewish historian, who makes mention to Jesus of Nazareth, who himself was not a Christian. You can't escape those facts. Jesus of Nazareth existed. He lived. 
Now, and he was crucified, crucified under Pontius Pilate, which history proves that this man existed, this governor, this Roman governor existed, and he put him to death. Fulton Sheen, and there were many others, Fulton Sheen, and there were many, that the world was waiting for a deliverer, a savior. There were people over the world looking for someone to deliver them from the dilemma of existence, of meaningless existence, the the prison, the the um, the captivity towards the meaninglessness of life, a mortality. You can see this in all in all pagan religions. You can see this in the Greeks, you can see this in the in 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 the pagans, all the pagans, the Romans. What's the purpose and meaning of life? And it's true. History, when Jesus came, he, he divided history into two parts. History began with, you know, right from the moment of his, uh, of his death. His death divided history. B.C., before Christ, A.D., in the Latin, Ad modamine, uh, anno domine, for, uh, after you know, after his, you know, of the year of, of our Lord, after his death, and history revolves around him. They try to getting rid of it. They try so desperately to get rid of him. The Marxists, the these these satanic Marxists now who who confuse and 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 want to take away the identity of the individual the sexual identity of the individual the gender identity of the individual they're so desperate they want to get rid of him but history he marks history he cuts his history in half all right muhammad wasn't able to do that he might have done it among the muslims the jews they haven't been able to do that, not globally. But Christianity comes along and it changes everything. Christianity conquers the great, the faith, the heart of the greatest empire in the world, the Roman Empire. That is what Western civilization is grounded on, built on. And it basically, the crucifix right there, plants itself in the consciousness Western civilization, even the East, China, has to follow. Right? Everybody makes a big deal of the of of the flag being planted on the moon. But no. Christ plants his cross right there in the heart of Global history, global history. Not even the Marxists could able to do it. Even America couldn't do it. You can't. Everybody has to figure out. Everybody will always look back. And, and one thing we can always say. Christ has always been a, it's always a problem to them. It's always a problem to them. People will always look to the crucifixion. I look to the crucifixion because I I need a savior. I need him in my life. 
I need someone to plant his cross in my uh, on my ego, in my heart and in my mind. I need someone to crush my my fears. I need someone to bring meaning to my life. And he does. He draws me back every single time. He draws me back every single time from my sins. There has to be a meaning and a purpose to our existence. All right? All the empty passions, all the empty perversions and debaucheries can't do it. All the the, the meaningless distractions of life can't do it. How, how often are we going to keep looking for distractions to distract us from our mortality? The superheroes can't do it anymore. The celebrities can't do it anymore. The drugs and alcohol, they only bring you closer to death. All right, the perversions can't do it anymore. The materialism can't do it anymore. Fulton Sheen, in his book, The Life of Christ. Yes, there are many, many who claim to be from God. Joseph Smith, the founder of the Mormons, is really just a, 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 a you know, a, a, a a speck on the monitor of history. He planted an American religion. But he did not. He, he's really just another American Muhammad. Technically. When you look at him. He's just another an American Muhammad. Alright. The Jehovah Witnesses. I mean both Joseph, Joseph Smith of the Mormons. And Jehovah Witnesses. They, they just borrowed. They just took. They just took from Jesus. All right. Both it's funny. Both the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses built on his gospel, but they but they reject his cross. They reject the crucifixion. On the Mormon church you see an angel blowing a trumpet. The Jehovah's Witnesses they they, they reject the cross. Their their version of the crucifixion is he's got his he's got his hands na nailed above his head. Can't can't make a vertical pole uh, a symbol of a religion. Can't can you? No. Islam borrows the uh, the crescent moon, and that's actually borrowed from that comes from an ancient pagan. An Arab pagan uh, religion. Right? The New Agers grab anything, basically. They grab anything. They seem to, they, they, they love to grab a little from Hinduism, that little red dot on the forehead for the symbol for an eye. They grab the pyramids. They grab something from Buddhism and yoga and oh, Hinduism. Anything that comes along that that tickles their fancy for the moment. They'll do it. But history always goes back to Jesus. All right. And. They. Nobody has ever been able to grab. Or captivate. The, the hearts. And the imaginations of the world. As Jesus of Nazareth is. Does. No one. They can't. No one can escape from him. His words, to this day now, with the Chosen series, and now there's a new movie called His Only Son, The Story of Abraham. The world gets evil. The more evil increases, the more evil spreads. God seems to be able, 
God is always able to bring his story, the story of his salvation to the foreground. All right? The more evil the world gets, the more grace increases even more. I don't know what, what's going to, what kind of world we're coming into now. I mean, with the transgenderism spreading so wide and fast, this, this, this dilemma, this perversion to destroy the sexual identity of individuals is unbelievable and sad. But... But they will find themselves back in Christ. I just, I know in my heart they will. I don't know. Uh, the future doesn't look good for this country. And I do agree with Michael Voris. The problem with America, America's founders. Is that they didn't solve? They didn't solve the problem about God. Every, you have to. You cannot create a world where you, you you're you're ambiguous about the truth. You cannot create a world where you just walk around the truth. The Founding Fathers were sons of the Enlightenment. They wanted to focus on man. They wanted to focus on creating something that, that for some reason, because they wanted to avoid morality. Let's face it, that was the big problem. They wanted to, they kicked the can down the road about morality. They think it was all about religion. No, it's about your morality. It's not about religion. And religion is not the opium of the people. What is the biggest thing human beings wrestle with? Morality. The problem with religion is they hate it because Christ, <clears throat> always Christ nailed to the cross, is the question about morality. What was Pilate's biggest problem was truth in the beginning he was fascinated with jesus are you the king of the jews are you asking me because you want to know or is because you heard others say this about me Pilate's responds back what do i care do i look like a jew to you your own people handed me over to you after a few more words, the question Jesus tells him, I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. Whoever hears, you know, whoever hears my, uh, listens to me, hears the truth. Pilate's response was, what is truth? And we know this is a fact. We know that's, that's, what, that's his problem because he doesn't, like a good politician, like a, like a really good politician, the truth is ambiguous. Well, who can know the truth? What is truth? We know this because that was this was the bridge, as Dr. Turley said. This was how it, his judgment to decide what how to deal with Jesus was to make the truth unknowable. He decided he's going to stick with that because it's safer for him for political reasons. Because later on, I do not want him to be crucified. I find him innocent. It is you that won his death. Take him yourselves. I am innocent of this man's blood. He washes his hands. That governed his decision. That was the, that was the bridge between the, the first decision where he acknowledged Jesus was innocent and what is, you know, washing his hands. Really, who can know the truth? What is truth? That was, that was it right there. And how many politicians do you know make their decisions like this? Many. All right.
Even someone like Trump, if he's not careful. You can love America, but still question the truth. You can love America and still question morality. And that right there will, 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 will decide what kind of person you are in history. Because you have to look behind you and look at the mess you left behind. All right? Obama was a relativist. He made any decision he had to make on that factor. As long as he got rich, and he ended up very rich. But who can, who can really know what, what's morally right and what's morally wrong? He weaponized and used gay marriage. Right? Abortion. Hillary Clinton. All these people. And oh yeah, with her. Religious, religious, um, uh, religious beliefs must change, right? Look at Joe Biden. As long, look at Nancy Pelosi. They, being, you know, they can, you know, uh, religion knows its place, but religion is a tool for them to get elected. Look at her. Look, look at how. Look at all the babies. The abortion. Ba the abortion. The contraception pill. But yet, for someone like her, she still needs to take a picture with the Pope. She still needs to make everybody know that she's a good Catholic. She can go to an exorcism. But her, but, but for her, it doesn't matter who else dies. As long as I remain a good Catholic and I can campaign on it. That's the problem. Because God was not enough to her. God is just a tool. Oh, she'll say she'll need God when she's close to the end. And like some Catholics, they think if they go to confession and they confess all these sins, even if they did wrong, you know, even if it was the decisions, the moral, maybe I might spend maybe a, uh, 50 years in purgatory, figured right, maybe. But as long as I confess my sins and as long as as long as the Lord knows I did the I did what I did wasn't was good intention. It may have been morally wrong, but I'll get I'll make it to heaven. This is the hip. This is this is a problem. This is called Americanism. All right, you can't you we, the the Catholics in this culture. Have conform their faith around the American culture instead of the American culture around their faith. Okay? They put make being American first and being Catholic second or third. We're punching... The Catholics in this country are political punches pilots. You know, we're we're closer to Judas Iscariot. We're we're close we're closer to the Arians. We're Gnostics. <clears throat> we're Gnostics. And we're communists and and we're hypocrites. We're big time hypocrites. That's our problem. That is our biggest problem as Catholics. By and the Lord said it. You cannot love God and mammon. You cannot love God and money. You will despise one and love the other. You will cling to one and you will just and you will hate you'll hate and despise the other. You cannot serve two masters. I mean, look at Cuomo. Right? Andrew Cuomo was just like his father. His father was the one that said, I'm personally opposed to abortion. You know? But, you know, but I won't impose my religion on anybody else. He was the one that started that quote. So the question is, in the end, who is Jesus of Nazareth to you? Do you really believe that he's just a bleep on the monitor scale? Is he the most important thing in your life? Is your career important? 
Are you going to be Pontius Pilate and just wash your hands off of him and then say to yourself, who can really know the truth? What is truth? No. No. Sooner or later, you're going to be corrected. We're all going to be corrected. All right? We're all going to be corrected, and we're all going to realize how wrong we are. Even the Pope, even many Popes are going to realize how wrong they are. Those who, who conform towards politics, towards earthly philosophies and thinkings, they're going to realize how wrong they are. Many of our American priests and our American bishops and American scholars will realize how wrong they are about Jesus. The Jesus Seminar will realize how wrong they are. Many Muslims will realize. A lot of people will realize how wrong on the Day of Judgment when they stand before the Lamb. All of us are sinners and we need repentance and we need to repent now, not later, now. All right, let's move to the creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of the Father, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made, and for us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day. In accordance with the scriptures he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. <clears throat> All right, so... Um, going to say three Hail Marys. Um, I'm going to keep it simple. Um, I don't think a podcast should be any more longer. Than, you know, I was going to thinking about saying a prayer for all those people who, um, you know, we should remember, we should pray for people's conversions. We should pray for the victims of sexual abuse, especially in the church and in families. We should pray for them. We should pray for the conversion uh, of a people. We should pray for the conversions of those who lost their faith because of intellectual pride or hatred for the Catholic Church. We should pray for Satanists. We should pray for communists. We should pray for the people of transgenderism because a lot of these people are also victims of sexual abuse. And they hate religion. <clears throat> People would might would wind up hating religion, either because they were malinformed or they were abused. I mean, people who hate the church, who hate Christ, is usually because of victims of bad example, victims of a, a religious of a bad introduction to religion, or they've just been abused. The worst part is those people who have been abused and corrupted sometimes their minds have been corrupted and sometimes people want to wound up becoming uh, ex uh um exposed and confused about their gender and about their sexual identity and everything because of the example and the abusive um influence a people of religion and sometimes people in religious situation. I mean, Bella Dodd said herself that she, when she was a member of the Communist Party, she helped um, implant young men into seminaries, young Marxists into the seminaries to rise up and control 
the Catholic Church and to guide it into, into abuse and corruption. None of this should surprise people. None of it. All right. So I'm going to say three Hail Marys and then an Our Father, um, uh, a Glory Be, an Oh My Jesus. And we're going to say also the the uh, St. Michael prayer that, and then end it. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and it will as uh, is now and ever will be forever, world without end. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us in the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us in the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. Saint Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in the day of battle, be our protection protection against the wild and wicked attacks of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. God bless.